All right, News Talk 1110-993-WBT, the Pete Callender Show. I'm Pete. I'm uh, jumping on the theme here a little bit just because the Kyle Rittenhouse trial is underway, and Kyle Rittenhouse, uh, in a surprise move, has taken the stand in his own defense. Uh, So uh, he has already been uh, questioned on direct uh, by his lawyer. He is now facing the prosecutor, Thomas Binger, who opened up by trying to... uh, uh, what he said was trying to lay the groundwork for tailoring, uh, making the case that Rittenhouse is now tailoring his story because he has been able to watch all of the uh, trial. He hasn't given his story. He's been able to read news accounts and watch videos. Uh, His defense attorney then asked for the jury to be removed. He then lodged an objection saying he's a, the prosecution is attacking my client's right to, uh, to remain silent. And the judge said that this is a grave constitutional violation. He says it's right on the borderline. It may actually be over it. So you better stop. And then they have now uh, resumed and they're bringing uh, they brought the jury back in. And so this is the D.A. or assistant D.A. questioning Kyle Rittenhouse. Until you turned 18, correct? No, you can get a Floyd card at 16 in Illinois. But you didn't have one. I did not. And even after this gun was purchased for you in May, you never got one after that either, did you? Actually, I applied for a FOID card in May of 2020, but due to the charges, and there was a backlog in Illinois for the FOID card, but after you filed the charges against me, um, it was denied because of the charges here in this state. You found out about that after you were criminally charged in this case? I found out about this in November of 2020. A letter was sent to my old resident. So you knew that without that FOID card, the gun could not go back to your residence in Illinois, correct? Correct. And you agreed that the gun would be kept at Dominic Black's stepfather's house here in Kenosha, correct? Uh, Because he had a safe, yes. And you agreed that you wouldn't have access to that gun, correct? Um, We agreed that the only time I would use the gun is when I would, when I was with him, and we would go to like the Bristol shooting range or up north to his land. But the only time, prior to the night of August 25th, 2020, that you ever used that gun was up in Ladysmith, correct? Correct. So you didn't go to the Bristol shooting range ever. I did. Not with that rifle, but I did. Pay attention to my question, please. You didn't ever go to the Bristol shooting range with that gun, correct? Correct. And you picked out that gun because Dominic had one, correct? I, yeah. You could have, if you wanted to, chosen from any number of guns that were for sale, fair enough? That were at that store, there weren't many, but yes. I'm sure the store in Ladysmith isn't the only store that sells guns, correct? Uh, you can ask questions. That was don't, a question. Don't, no, it was a statement. I, isn't it correct, Mr. Rittenhouse, that there are other places to purchase guns besides that one store in Ladysmith, Wisconsin? Um, I believe so, but that's where we're at, so that's where we got the gun. And you, if you wanted to, could have given Dominic Black money to purchase a gun at other locations. Fair? Didn't cross my mind, but now that you say it, yeah. Why did you pick or want Dominic Black to buy for you 
an AR-15 as opposed to a pistol or a shotgun or some other type of rifle? I cannot legally possess or carry a pistol because I'm not 18 in Wisconsin. I, I, I believe it's 18 in Wisconsin <laughs> for a pistol. Um, but with the walk, why with would the, the rifle, DA not know that? I knew, I knew I could possess that rifle. I knew I couldn't buy it, but I knew I could like take it to like the shooting range or possess it. Um, and with shotguns, they didn't have any shotguns in stock. That was my original plan to get a shotgun for trap shooting. Oh, like Joe Biden recommends. But there weren't any at that Lady Ladysmith store, and I didn't want to go to Walmart and buy one. So your understanding at that time was that Wisconsin law prohibited you as a 17-year-old from possessing a pistol, but you could have an AR-15? Yes. What was that understanding based on? Uh, the understanding was based on um, when we would go up north, uh, we were, it was me, Dominic, and my sister, and we were allowed to carry the rifles around, and the officers over there said it was fine. Um, I'm going to move to strike as hearsay, what officers would have told you. You asked the question on what the, what the source yeah. of knowledge was. That's the judge saying, you asked the question why he decided it's that guy. not admissible, and none of this is, frankly, and that's why I interrupted before. Um, what, the, what the defendant believes the law to be, what the district attorney believe, who believes the law to be, what uh, the defense believes the law to be, are irrelevant. Yeah. I will tell you, when I instruct you, what the law of Wisconsin is pertaining to the possession of a firearm, by a person under 18, uh, and that'll be the source of your knowledge. I'm allowing the testimony right now because it bears on, uh, um, there's an old maxim under the law, ignorantia juris non excusa. Ignorance of the, of the law is not an excuse. Ignorance of the criminal law is not an excuse. If you commit a, wrong, a, a criminal act, whether you knew it was criminal or not, you're responsible for your conduct and, and because you're responsible to know the law. It's not relevant except in this case there are specific issues about his awareness and knowledge about certain conduct that is relevant on some issues. So it's quite complicated. Uh, hopefully it'll sort out when I instruct you at the end. All right. So he's, he's talking to the jury right now. And this the, is answers, the judge, but do not be confused about what anything that these people say is not necessarily accurate as to the state of Wisconsin law. Any question about that? Okay, thanks. Go ahead. So you're telling us that the reason that you wanted Dominic to buy you an AR-15 as opposed to a pistol is is the only reason was because you felt you couldn't lawfully possess a pistol. Correct. You didn't pick out the AR-15 for any other reason? I thought it looked cool, um, but no. You didn't pick it out because you wanted to go hunting with it, did you? No. You didn't pick it out because you were going to um, use it to protect your house, correct? Correct. You picked it out because it looked cool. I thought it looked cool. Guess it, that's the reason, yes. It resembled the types of weapons that are used in first-person shooter video games, correct? I don't really play first-person shooter video games. I have, but I believe there's a variety of guns, including 
shotguns, pistols. It true. There's guns in video games that resemble all guns. True. Isn't it true when you would hang out at, with Dominic Black, you'd play Call of Duty and other first-person games? Oh, here we go. Games? Sometimes. And those are games in which you use weapons like AR-15s to pretty much shoot anybody who comes at you, correct? It's a video game where two players are playing together. I don't really... Yeah, there's lots of different game modes, and frankly, my loadout was always the shotgun loadout. That's just me. People do in these video games try and kill everyone else with your guns. Okay, so are we going to now... We're gonna, uh, Activision's on trial, it sounds like. Okay. All right, News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Kyle Rittenhouse now taking the stand. He's on, been on the stand now for about uh, a little over an hour in his own defense. This is a trial up in Kenosha, Wisconsin. The uh, district attorney, Thomas Binger, is now uh, on uh, cross-examination. August 24th, correct? Yes. You worked a total of 41 and a half hours at the Recplex, correct? That's the number you got. And you were a lifeguard? Yes. You were walking around their swim area with one of those red, long, life-saving things, monitoring the pool. Correct? A rescue tube, yes. Okay. So, but that was the, at the indoor pool at the Recplex? It was at the indoor. It was at the, I don't know if you're familiar with the Recplex. I am. Um, I guarded the water park area and the competition pool. Okay. So they've got a... Water park area with a slide and a zero entry pool, is that right? Yes. And then next to that, they've got a larger, almost Olympic sized pool where swim meets happen. A 50 meter um, competition pool divided in half to make it a 25. Okay, and you were lifeguarding at both of those? I, I would uh, rotate. We had rotations, and me and other guards, we would do three, we had three person shifts. We would rotate out watching the different areas of ourselves. <laughs> You indicated that at no time did this gun, this AR-15, ever leave the state of Wisconsin. Is that right? Other than the night after, other than that. Before the shootings. Correct. There was a time, though, where you wanted to have it with you down in Illinois, isn't it? It wasn't there? Um, I believe there was a time when I was, me and Dominic were mad at each other. Um, yeah. You were mad at Dominic? Me and Dominic were mad over something. And you wanted to have the gun with you down there? I think I said something along those lines. You'd agree with me that... Let me, let me back up for a second here. You have testified to this jury that you used deadly force against Joseph Rosenbaum, Anthony Huber, the man who attempted to kick you in the face, and Gage Grosskreutz on the night of August 25th, correct? Yes. And you did that because you felt that your life was in danger from those four people, correct? Yes. And you are telling this jury that it was, in your mind, justified to use deadly force to protect your own life, correct? Yes. You'd agree with me that you were not allowed to use deadly force to protect that car source building, correct? Well, I, I wasn't using deadly force to protect the property. I used deadly force to protect myself, so... I, I, please listen to my question <laughs> and answer my question if you can. <laughs> You'd agree with me that you were not allowed to use deadly force to protect that car source building, correct? Yes. 
you'd agree with me that you were not allowed to use deadly force to stop someone from smashing the windows of an unoccupied parked car, correct? I don't think you could use deadly force for that. You'd agree with me that you can't use deadly force to stop someone from lighting a metal dumpster on fire, correct? Correct. You'd agree with me that you can't use deadly force to stop someone from tipping over a porta potty, correct? Correct. You'd agree with me that you can't use deadly force to stop someone from lighting a flatbed trailer on fire, correct? Correct. You'd agree with me that you can't use deadly force to stop someone who is about to start an unoccupied car on fire, correct? Correct. You'd agree with me that you can't use deadly force to stop someone from lighting some traffic cones in the middle of the street on fire, correct? Correct. So you understand that there's a difference between using deadly force to protect yourself and using it to protect property, correct? Yes. And you'd agree with me that you're not allowed to use deadly force to protect property, correct? Yes. But yet you have previously indicated that you wished you had your AR-15 to protect someone's property, correct? I'm going to, uh... <clears throat> uh -oh. Uh, I'm going to ask you to go into the library uh, again for a moment, please. Oh, the, don't talk about the case. The judge just tossed the jury out again. I mean, I don't mean like he tossed them out. But, yeah, he kind of told them to leave. So, apparently, the DA is on some, I don't want to call it a fishing expedition, but a fishing expedition seems like a pretty appropriate term. Well, I mean, I guess I could have said a hunting expedition. That's terrible. So, no, and this is different uh, in apparently up in Wisconsin. Are you allowed to use deadly force to protect property? I mean, if somebody is trying to burn down, you know, my house, if it's in my house or they're trying to they're trying to rob me in my house or something like different states have different rules and stuff. So, yeah, I don't know. It, it, it sounded like he was expecting there to be some big conclusion here. This is the defense attorney court's rulings or attempting to provoke a mistrial in this matter. He knows he can't go into this, and he's asking the questions. I ask the court to strongly admonish him, and the next time it happens, I'll be asking for a mistrial with prejudice. He's an experienced attorney, and he knows better. Mr. Finger? First of all, Your Honor, this was the subject of a motion. I'm well aware of that, and the court left the door open. This. For me, not for you. Oh, the judge just yelled at him. My understanding of you your... should have come and asked for uh, for reconsideration. You did on the one motion, and in fact, I granted your motion for reconsideration. That was excuse not our me, motion. I, I, I uh, not uh, excuse me. I, uh, I did. I granted. We did not move that for reconsideration. That was their motion. We've not filed any motions. Judge is all over that the place. It was their motion too. for reconsideration, which I denied. But. Uh, I said, I denied it, or I indicated a bias towards denial is what I did. Held it open with a bias towards denial. Why would you think that that made it okay for you without any advance notice to bring this matter before the jury? You are already, you were, I, I was astonished when you began your examination by commenting on the defendant's post-arrest silence. That's basic law. It's been basic law in this country for 40 years, 50 years. I have no idea why you would do something like that. And it gives, um, uh, well, I'll, I'll leave it at that. 
Wow. So I don't know what you're up to. May I respond? Yes. We filed another acts motion on this exact issue because in my mind, and I argued this, it is identical to what was going on on the night of August 25th in the sense that the defendant was using this exact same weapon. He was using it in a manner to try and protect property. No, he wasn't. There's, Your Honor, I, with all due respect. I'm not going to rehash the motion. Yeah, that's absolutely untrue. It and is, there's, no, no, no. Your arguments of record, my comments are of record, and why I ruled as I did is of record. There's nothing that I heard oh in this goodness. trial to suggest anything's changed. All right, Even let me uh, let, let's bail here. Let me uh, go to the news. I've never seen a judge react like this ever, ever. All right, truly remarkable uh, occurrence here at the trial of Kyle Rittenhouse. The prosecutor began pursuing a line of questioning about. He was trying to get at an incident or a statement that occurred 15 days prior to the shooting that. Uh, Rittenhouse is now on trial for the the three shootings um, because Rittenhouse had apparently made a comment about uh, wanting to shoot shoplifters if only he had his AR-15. That's what the prosecutor is trying to get in. He's trying to reference back. The problem is, is that this was ruled to be not admissible in a pretrial motion unless something else happened in the trial. The judge had said that's a different thing. He didn't have a gun with him. He was simply just like running his mouth on Twitter or TikTok or something. I don't know. But, like, it wasn't even uh, a similar circumstance. And he just got into a screaming match with the assistant DA, Thomas Binger. He's uh, now explaining why the two the, these two events, the, the one from 15 days prior and the shooting that Rittenhouse is now on trial for, um, why they're different. And he's like, and that's, that is absolutely part of why the law exists as it does in the state, which is that they're, they're different. One was he did not have a gun. The circumstances were different. He's just looking at people. He's like, man, wish I had a gun. You got to take, you know, take, take shots of these shoplifters. And then the second circumstance is he's being chased down a street and the shooting occurs in a matter of seconds. It's not like he was laying in wait for shoplifters or something. And so what the DA is saying, though, is that he's trying to impeach the uh, the defendant. And he thinks it speaks to his mindset. He's trying to get to his his general attitudes. And the judge was having none of it. So they are now bringing the jury back into the room uh, after having dismissed the jury while the judge yelled at the yelled at the prosecutor, and you heard the defense attorney say there that uh, if the DA persists in this, that he would, um, that they might be uh, looking at uh, potential grounds for mistrial. So I guess they're still, yeah, they're still walking them in. I thought that the DA was starting. All right, I can, uh, hang on, I can. All right, folks, the objection is sustained. There you go. So that's all they heard. Go ahead, Mr. Objection sustained. Thank you, Judge. (laughs) So... I want to turn your attention to the day of August 25th, 2020. Okay. You had spent the night at Dominic Black's house, is that right? Yes. And you indicated that you had worked at the RecPlex the night before, is that right? The 24th, correct. Okay. And you worked until about 7 p.m.? I I couldn't give you an exact time, but I'd say I got off around between 6 and 7. I I don't recall. It's been 
while. And then you drove your car over to Dominic's house? Yes. Okay, so um, the rest of the time, it seems like you're being driven around in Mr. Black's car. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Why did you guys use his instead of yours, if you know? Um, at the time, I didn't have a driver's license, and I would drive just to get to work, and sometimes to go to Dominic's dad's house. So even though you didn't have a driver's license, you drove from your home in Antioch to the Recplex to work that day? Um, yes, to be able to get to work. And then after work, uh, you drove without a driver's license to Dominic Black's house? Yes. So I assume then on the week prior to that, when you'd drive yourself to work, that was also without a driver's license? Objection to this. It's going to... Oh, I'll move on. So you Gosh, drove to Mr. Like Black's he's just house, grasping. you left your car there. Yes. And you spent the night at his house. Yes. And then the next day, you guys woke up at some point and came down to Ruther. Is that right? We spent the night at his house and uh, had dinner, woke up in the morning, um, had breakfast. We were going through social... We were, we were, I was on social media and we saw all the damage... And we saw the car store, so we decided to go downtown. And you came down in uh, Dominic's car? Correct. And you said that uh, there was a time in which you were cleaning graffiti at Ruther? Yes. And then at some point, I believe you said, and I want to make sure I'm understanding the timeline here, that you went to one of the car sources and, and encountered the owners, Sam or Sal or whoever they are, correct? Yes. Which of the car source locations was that? It was the car source right here. And that's the one at the northeast corner of 59th and Sheridan? Correct. And that's the one that had gotten totally burned out on one of the previous nights? Yes, that was the one where everything was destroyed. The other car sources still had cars there. So, Now, before that, had you ever worked at car source before? I have not. Had you ever bought a car there before? I have not. Had you ever even heard of Car Source before all that? Yes. Through Dominic? Well, no. Um, I, I would drive past it on a daily basis. I was in Kenosha almost every day, and I'd drive down Sheridan Road almost every day. Okay. So you saw the business along with the churches and the ultimate gas station and the courthouse and everything else in that area? Yes. Okay. And you talked to these owners yourself? Me and Dominic did. And did they ask you to come protect the property? They didn't ask me. Directly? They, they didn't ask me directly. They asked Nick Smith. Okay. And was Nick Smith around for that at that moment? He wasn't there when me and Dominic were talking to them. Did you ever personally witness any of these car source folks, Sal or Sam or any of the folks that were running that business, did you ever personally ask, witness them ask, Nick Smith to guard any of their properties? No. Did you ever witness any of them ask anyone to guard any of their properties? Not that I can recall. What time, if you recall, did uh, you find out that they'd asked Nick Smith? I believe I said in my direct examination between 3.15 and 3.30... And that was shortly after you had sent a text to um, Sam, right? Correct. And you texted him and asked him uh, if you could protect his business that night, correct? I did. And in that text you said, 
I'm more than willing and will be armed, correct? Yes. You meant you'd be armed with your AR-15? Yes. And you said that me and my brother would both be there armed, correct? Yes. By your brother, you meant Dominic? Yes. He's obviously not legally your brother. No. And you said in the text, I just need address. Do you recall that? Yes. Why did you need the address of a location you'd already been to? Um, I just wanted to like pinpoint it on the Google Maps because uh, GPS, because you know, with all the all the roads were closed down. All right. You know, sure, <laughs> so I just wanted to know. The I don't think that was the answer the DA was looking for there either. Uh, News Talk eleven ten ninety nine three. Oh, that sounds like courtroom music. That's like that's Nancy Graceish. Uh, <laughs> News Talk 1110-993-WBT. We're actually uh, listening in on uh, what is now the cross-examination of Kyle Rittenhouse. Unexpectedly, he took the stand this morning. He's been up there for several hours now. Prosecutor got yelled at by the judge for pursuing uh, two lines of questioning that the judge had told him uh, was inappropriate. Uh, so let's go ahead and uh, rejoin uh, this again. The prosecutor assistant DA is Thomas Binger and Kyle Rittenhouse on the stand that gun into the house, correct? Yes. You didn't know that beforehand? I didn't. You didn't know that it had been taken out of the safe? No. And so you went downstairs and grabbed it? After instructed to do so by Dominic, I did. And it had that magazine? After I was instructed to do so. After I was instructed to do so by Dominic, I did go downstairs and grab it. And it had the magazine already inserted in the rifle? It did. And the magazine was already loaded with 30 rounds? I believe so. When did you chamber a round? Um, I don't know if I ever did. Well, you had to have to fire the gun, right? Yeah, I think it, I think it was already chambered when I got it. I, that's what I remember. I don't remember racking it at all that night. Because the way this type of gun works is that you have to have a magazine with ammo in it. You have to insert the magazine into the gun, and then you have to rack it to load one of those rounds into the chamber, correct? Yes. And you were familiar with how to do all of that, correct? Yes. And it can't discharge a bullet unless a bullet is racked into the chamber, correct? Correct. And so your testimony here, as best you can recall, is that you never had to do the initial racking because the bullet was already in the chamber when you took possession of it that day. Is yes, that fair to I, say? I, I, believe so. I believe that it was already racked. And the ammunition that was in that was full metal jacket ammunition, correct? 223 uh, full metal jacket. 223 being the caliber. Yes. And full metal jacket being the type of casing, correct? Yes. Uh, full metal jacket is the bullet type. The bullet type. Okay, I apologize. And you're aware there are different types of bullets, like hollow point bullets, correct? Yes. Um, yes. And when you were in the process of purchasing this gun, well, let me back up for a second. You said that the 30 rounds of ammo were left over from previous. I assume you mean when you were up in Ladysmith? Yes. And you were practicing with the gun up there? Yes. And they, Dominic Black's family has some sort of firing range or shooting range up there, is that right? They have a gravel pit where um, it's safe to shoot. And you and Dominic would practice with your AR-15s shooting at targets in that gravel pit, correct? Correct. 
And you would shoot at targets as far as, what, 75 yards away? No. How close were the targets? I was about... I was about... I think the furthest I ever got was maybe from me to the TV. You didn't shoot at any targets farther away than that? No. Dominic Black testified that he shot at targets 75 yards away. Did you see him do that? I didn't, but I don't know what Dominic Black saw or what Dominic Black was shooting at. I, I wasn't with him when he did that. You were aware of the fact that the AR-15 was capable of hitting targets much further away than you to the TV, correct? I believe so. Did you know the capabilities of your own weapon? I knew that it, it can shoot and I believe from a distance. I don't know how far. I'm not an expert on AR-15s. Did you personally purchase that 223 full metal jacket ammunition? I did not. Who did? Dominic did. Did you ask him to purchase it? I did not. I think Dominic might so be in some trouble. So you didn't know what type of ammo was in that gun. Is that I, right? I knew they were 223 full metal jackets. I, the first time I shot it, I had to load it into the magazine. So you knew the type of round, but you didn't know what those rounds were capable of doing. Is that fair to say? Believe a bullet's a bullet. As you sit here today, you know that there are different types of bullets, right? Yes. You know that hollow point bullets, for example, do different things to a animal or a human than full metal jacket bullets, correct? Yeah. Full metal jacket is a like a defense round, like another type of defense round. I know full, people use full metal jacket for hunting, and hollow point is something that causes more damage. Hollow point bullets are designed to hit the animal that they're being shot at. Let's say a deer, for example, and explode inside that Who body, uses correct? hollow points for hunting? No, I don't Why would I don't you do that? So. You would ruin the meat. Uh, when you say explode, uh, are you saying expand or explode? Because there are such things as exploding bullets. Right. Let me let me rephrase. Why are you asking Mr. him this? What is your understanding of what a hollow point bullet would do if it were shot at, say, a deer? I, I don't think people use hollow point. That wasn't my question, sir. What is your understanding of what that bullet would do? Let me let me rephrase it then, because you're aware that people use hollow point bullets in their pistols to defend themselves against other people, correct? Yes. Ryan Balch, for example, testified in this trial that he was carrying a pistol loaded with hollow point ammunition for self-defense. Do you remember that testimony? I, I do. So what is your understanding, if you have one, as to what hollow point ammunition would do to a human? I believe it would do the same thing as any other bullet. Um, like I said, a bullet's a bullet. Um, I just believe hollow points... I'm sorry, I don't know much about ammo. Um, I'm trying to think of what I remember, but I just don't know much about ammo. So All right, I guess the DA is going to try and, what, make the argument that he doesn't even know what he was armed with. He was irresponsible. It's not. That's not really relevant, though. Did he feel like his life was in danger when he shot and killed Joseph Rosenbaum and Anthony Huber 
And when he shot and wounded Gage Grosskreutz. That's the question. And none of this stuff that the DA is saying so far has moved the needle on any of that. News Talk 1110-993-WBT, the Pete Callender Show. I'm Pete, and uh, we've been listening for the first hour to Kyle Rittenhouse's testimony. He took the stand today in his own defense uh, in his mur- in the murder trial. Uh, he's, uh, you know, there's no doubt that he shot and killed Joseph Rosenbaum and Anthony Huber while they were all at uh, the riots slash protests in August of 2020. Um, And in fact, Rittenhouse said that repeatedly. And the prosecutor kept hammering away that you intentionally used, uh, you intentionally shot Joseph Rosenbaum. And he said, yes, he acknowledged, yes, this, he intentionally shot these people, but he kept saying, I used deadly force to stop the threat from attacking me. He kept saying it. So obviously he was, you know, coached. I'm not saying that in a pejorative way. If anybody's on trial, I should hope you listen to your lawyer when they tell you things to say and how to say them. Um, The DA, I'm not sure. I mean, he threat his actions, his two lines of questioning that he uh, undertook today prompted the defense to threaten a mistrial, uh, to to file for a motion for mistrial, and seemed to be, I mean, that seemed to be something that the judge in the case was willing to entertain. And maybe that's the point here. Maybe that was the point, to try to get a mistrial so this way you can come back at him at some other uh, venue. I don't know. I've never seen a judge react the way this judge in this case today uh, yelled at that prosecutor. But then again, I've never seen a prosecutor start trying to, I mean, because th- th- what happened was he initially opened up with this line of questioning, you know, like you intentionally shot, you intentionally shot. And Rittenhouse keeps saying, you know, deadly force to stop the attack. And then he says, this is the first time you've told your story. And that prompted an objection. And then he said, you know, you've had the benefit of watching videos and reading news articles and he said, look, uh, you know, I, I avoid uh, reading about the case. I've avoided watching anything about it because he says a lot of it's just not true. So he just, he says he avoids it. And then he says, oh, well, you've heard testimony. And at that point, I'm like, this is a really weird line of questioning because, of course, he's heard the testimony. It's his trial. That's kind of the deal. You're supposed to be able to hear the testimony against you. And to have your accusers be named, right? To stand in front of you and to face your accuser. Okay. What the DA says, the guy's name is Thomas Binger. He says that uh, I'm trying to, uh, he's trying to sort of build this argument that Rittenhouse may be tailoring his story. The problem is, is that we all have a constitutional right to not, be compelled to testify if we don't want to. And so his silence should not ever be seen as guilt. You should never, as a prosecutor, never draw attention to the fact that the defendant refuses to take the stand, that the defendant won't tell people his side of the story, and then we should assume he's guilty because we have the constitutional right to not have to testify and self-incriminate, right? So... 
I don't know. Like the, I mean, the judge says you. He says this would be a grave constitutional violation. He says you're right on the borderline. You may even be over it. So you better stop. And so the prosecutor did. And then a few minutes later, he proceeds down this um, line of questioning, trying to get at, well, he's trying to get entered into evidence, some previous statement from 15 days prior to the shooting, prior to the protest, where Rittenhouse made some statement about uh, wanting to shoot looters and rioters, that he, he wanted to shoot looters specifically, I should say. And he said this, he was not armed at the time. Right? It wasn't like he was running around, oh, I'm going to get me some looters. Didn't do that. And what the judge had ruled in the pretrial motion when they discussed this, the judge says the circumstances between what you're, this incident you're bringing up then and the facts around the actual shooting, they're, they're not similar. And so I'm, uh, unless something happens in the course of the trial, he's like, this is... You know, uh, he denied that motion to bring that stuff up. And the assistant DA tried to work it in today in violation of what that judge had told him. And that's what prompted the the yelling. <laughs> All right, uh, let me go over here to uh, Dean. Hello, Dean. Welcome to the program. How are you? Hello, Dean. Am I just not hearing that? Or no, it's just Dean not there. Well, I would tell him to turn his radio down, but uh, let's see here. How about we go over here and see if Doug is there? Hello, Doug. Hey, Pete. Hey, what's up? Just wanted to throw in a quick clarification. You made a comment earlier that you wouldn't use hollow point bullets for hunting, but that's absolutely not true. Um, hollow point bullets are highly effective for hunting, and the reason is because the uh, the bullet peels back and it, and and it becomes about twice the normal diameter. Mm-hmm. of when it comes out of that rifle bullet, that causes the bullet that to then uh, essentially slow down to zero mm-hmm. and stay in the animal. Right. But the point there is it does more hydrostatic damage to the to the tissue and, and to the animal. Mm-hmm. It's more likely of, of putting it down yeah, did in you a hear, humane fashion. Right. Did you hear the second part of what I said, though? Absolutely. I've been listening to you. Right, right. Well, I said, what did I say the second part of that sentence? I don't have it word for word. What did, what did you say, Pete? Well, I said, why would you use it for hunting? You would ruin all of the meat. That, that's what I said. You, you don't, I'm not you saying don't you ru- ruin the meat. If yeah. you were a hunter, you would know that. Yeah. Well, I'm not a hunter. So I, the way I use hollow points versus FMJ would be for self-defense home protection. So that's the point of using the hollow but, points is that you wrong. don't... You, you, that you don't use them for, you don't use a full metal jacket in a home environment because you don't want it going right through your target and into other parts of the house, right? You're correct about that. Right. So the hollow point. Ruining the meat. Right. So when you blow, so you, so when you uh, shoot uh, with the hollow point and it rips apart all of the meat, that doesn't ruin it. Pete, I just told you that the, the it, diameter is only. I, that's not what I asked. What it does it ruin? It came out of the barrel. Does it ruin the meat if the hollow point rips its way open and through the tissue? Only the part where the cavity was created, but that's only a half an inch in diameter. Right. So it ruins the meat. You're still wrong, Pete. 
I, you, I, you just want to you want to be right so bad. No, well, I, I'm just saying I didn't think people used it. Look, I I just told you I'm not a hunter. I the hollow point FMJ argument for me was always about home defense versus um yeah versus yeah for a home defense, not from a hunting perspective. And so I wouldn't. I wouldn't begin to know how you would use hollow points out in the field if you're a hunter, except for the fact that I was always under the impression that you don't. That's what I said. Well, and I'm and I'm just calling to let you know that in this case, you're wrong, and and it's not a big deal. But no, but you. I'm glad you called. I'm glad you. No, I'm glad you called, Doug, so everybody can know that all of the hunters can now uh, rest assured. I appreciate the call, Doug. Yes, thank you. All right, News Talk eleven ten ninety nine three WBT. This uh, so a couple things. Just number one, like I thought again, I thought I was perfectly clear, and I said, why would they use it for target practice? I thought that's what I said. Why, uh, why would they use it for hunting? Do, don't you use the FMJs for the target practice? The hollow points doesn't it ruin the meat? And what was his name? Doug that just called in. I think yeah. And so and look, this is the thing about. Um, it's like I, I I own a firearm. I do not hunt. I thought that was clear as well. Um, and so whatever ammo you would like to use for your hunting, you go right ahead and use it. I don't care. <laughs> it doesn't matter to me. Um, I always thought that the benefit of the hollow point was that it tore stuff up as it stopped inside the target. And that might be a benefit depending on what kind of game you're hunting because that also was sort of a line of... Like this is... And this is why I was even hesitant to take the call because this is what happens. It's like when you say a clip instead of a magazine. You get folks who call in and say, it's actually... Yeah. I understand this is a very important hobby for a lot of people. I get it. I do, uh, yeah, I, I really don't care. <laughs> I, I don't. like. I, I purchase the kind of ammo that I need and... I'm not a hunter, so it doesn't matter to me what kind of ammo you prefer. But let's uh, run down the rabbit path, shall we? Hello, Steve. Welcome to the program. Steve. um, I'm a former U.S. Marine and have training in multiple weapons. And the reason why you really wouldn't use a hollow point to hunt with is, especially coming out of a rifle, a rifle is a ballistic weapon, meaning you want to hit that target as fast as possible over range. A, tar- a hollow point slows down over range. Hmm. So that's why in the U.S. military, you don't use hollow points. You use full metal jacket, and they're ball rounds. There's a tumbling round. When it comes out of an M16, right. an AR-15, that round is light. It goes in, and it stays in because it bounces around. It's a light round. In so order to do as much. a deer, I wouldn't want to shoot it with a hollow point that just goes in and gets stuck partially, and I want to punch through and get to the heart, get to some critical component to knock that animal down. So do you think, would it matter the size of the animal you're hunting? It would. It would matter the size, but also with a rifle, you're yeah. still just not going to use a hollow point. Yeah. All right, Steve, I appreciate the call. Thanks for your service, and uh, you, I think you said you were a Marine. Happy uh, birthday, Marine Corps. September 5th. All right, buddy. Thanks. Let me go over here to... Will, hello, Will. Welcome to the show. What's Good up? Good afternoon, Pete. Hey. Hey, just want to let you know we miss you up in Asheville. Oh, but thanks. I did want to throw a comment in on this real quick. Yeah, go for it. Why not? Okay. So, and this will actually help with some of the trial coverage you're given. A hunter will use that hollow point because if you're an ethical hunter, you're looking to put that animal down fast. Mm-hmm. And you're not shooting the meat. You're shooting the lungs. You're shooting the heart. Mm-hmm. I mostly bow hunt. 
I go for a double lung shot. It's the most ethical kill. It goes in the lungs, doesn't ruin any meat. And if you can shoot that hollow point the same way, it's very effective. It goes in the lungs, it expands, that animal can't breathe, it dies instantly. So you can use it for hunting, but it's not recommended. The, the ballistics are better. The ballistics are... So you prefer the hollow point the, over an FMJ, despite what Steve just explained? Uh, no, some people... Do. I, I don't usually hunt with a rifle, but right. if I do, I'm going to use a ballistic because it will penetrate. All right. But some hunters do use the hollow point because they wanted to go in and expand those lungs and take down the vital organs. You're not hitting the meat at all. Yeah. Sounds like a... Is this a big debate in hunting world? Yes. Ah, interesting. <laughs> all righty. Thank you, Will. I appreciate the call, man. All right. See ya. It's... All righty. Tim, what's your opinion on all of this? Hello, Tim. How are you doing, man? Hey, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, it's just basically this. I don't know why people want to go off on a tangent and these arguments about, about bullet types. And, and as it relates to the trial, I wish Kyle had known the difference between a hollow point and a full metal jacket because a hollow point and on defense is designed for the maximum kill power. It's going to destroy everything it hits inside that person. Mm-hmm. Whereas a full metal jacket bullet is much more survivable. That was always my impression, but again, I'm not a hunter, and my only approach was always home defense. Uh, and, you know, it's it, it's much yeah. like the argument, well, like when is- I first started exploring this, like do you go with a pistol or do you go with a... Because people said, you got to get a shotgun, P, because a shotgun, nothing's more scarier than the racking of the shotgun. I'm like, I'm not interested in trying to scare somebody with the racking of a shotgun. I am interested in stopping a threat. What's the best weapon to do that? And when you start exploring, though, the shotgun, then you start looking at, okay, what kind of uh, ammo do you use? And if you are in in a home environment and you've got loved ones around, you do not want one kind of ammo over another kind of ammo. So there are all these different types of debate, and they really come down to how you intend to use it. Yeah, and I think if Kyle had intended to take guys down to the processing center and get some Slim Jims made, then uh, there would have been a reason to avoid hollow points. But, uh, <laughs> that, that wasn't what he was trying to do. Yeah. I wish he had a difference. That, yeah. that, well, that it, but it makes sense, though. If it, I mean, he said he didn't even buy the, the ammo. That his friend Dominic did, who, as I said earlier, I think Dominic's going to be in some trouble. Um, but apparently Dominic bought the gun, bought the ammo, and that they were using it for target practice up at his property in some gravel pit. And so in those circumstances, that makes sense. That absolutely yeah. makes sense. And then they just yeah. went out there with the guns and didn't. they probably didn't know it. I mean, Rittenhouse didn't know any better. Right. And I, I feel kind of feel bad for Dominic. He's probably going to... He's going to have to be washing uh, tire treads out of his shirt. Yeah, he got thrown <laughs> under that bus. But there you go. All right, Tim. I appreciate the call, man. Thanks so much. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. But uh, yeah, Doug, totally right. I was totally wrong. And again, not a hunter, so I wouldn't know that. And he was right about that, too. So just for the record, News Talk 1110-993-WBT. <laughs> I don't have, look, I don't. <laughs> I'm just reading some of these emails and stuff. It's I have no ill will towards Doug, the caller. I have no ill will. I just it's one of those things. Is it's it's like the vaccines. It's like the vaccine talk. Is people's antenna go up and it's just 
dare I say seizing or pouncing? I don't want, no, I shouldn't say that. But it, it's, it, yaha, I got you. You know, it's like a, it, it's pouncing, you know. And uh, <laughs> it's just, it always happens. Monica says, I knew it would turn to gun talk. That's what it, it, it kind of, it, yeah, it kind of generally does. Um, and I've said this for years, so this is not about Doug, but I've said this for years is that uh, one of the biggest turnoffs to non-Second Amendment people, like people who are not gun people, one of the biggest turnoffs is gun people. <laughs> it really is. It, 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 like, they're just laying in wait when you use the wrong word to describe the clip or the magazine or, you know, whatever, bullets and rounds and ammo sizes and this. Because, like, now this debate, because this was apparently, see, this is a debate. Now, again, not a hunter. So I have no idea had no idea that this is even an argument, that this is up for discussion, up for debate inside hunting circles. I didn't know. Why would I know that? I'm not a hunter. But now I've got a debate raging. So here's one on Twitter. That guy would be wandering around looking for his deer for a long time. <laughs> I don't know. I don't even know who he's talking about there. <laughs> Who's looking for the, for the deer? Because it's running around? I don't know. Uh... Here's another one. Hollow points deliver rapid, expansive mushrooming. This slows the projectile upon target impact and limits penetration. For whitetails, this doesn't pose much of a problem, especially at close ranges. For larger game with tougher hides, including elk and even wild hogs, as well as deer shot at long range, this limited penetration could prove problematic. A shallow wound channel, no matter how wide, is not lethal if it doesn't reach deep vital organs. So, again... Like, I don't care. I appreciate uh, the, the email, Joseph. Uh, like I, because I'm not a hunter. This stuff doesn't matter to me. So, yeah. I, but, I mean, I appreciate that you guys, like, have this hobby, and, and you it does matter to them, absolutely, but, <laughs> but it doesn't matter to me. Oh, well, I've already I've missed yeah. it. It's, I've already missed it. It's too late. Oh, it is. Though. Sorry about that. <laughs> No, I'm sorry, looking at a note here from producer John. All righty, so what I actually spent all of last night doing was watching the Charlotte Mecklenburg School Board of Education meeting because that's the kind of guy I am. I will sit there and watch these meetings because I'm a giver. I do it so you don't have to. Um, first off, this is just one quick uh, note here that the mask mandate... In the schools, it will remain. This was uh, the school board member, Sean Strain. This was actually, he objected to the fact that the mandate uh, or the masking policy, the re-upping of the masking policy, he objected to the fact that it was buried in the consent agenda. He did not appreciate that. And frankly, I didn't either. But um, I'm glad he pulled it out for separation so, so as to comment upon it. And here's the reason why he thought it should not have been buried in consent. The expectation is that in the coming oh, hang on days... A hang on, hang on. So he, he started off by saying that the Mecklenburg County Board of Commissioners, um, they have already, remember what, a week ago, they modified the metrics that they were using for their mask mandate, right? It, it was 30 days in a row of having the percent positive of cases, um, a 30-day stretch. 
And they realized that was problematic because if you got to 29 days straight where you had your case positivity rate below 5%, then you hit the 30th day and now it goes to 5.1%. Now you got to start all over again. They were like, we're never going to get out of the masking. So let's take it down to seven straight days, rolling seven day average kind of deal. Um, or not average, but a rolling seven day window. So if we can get seven days in a row, then they're going to repeal the, the mask mandate. That's the idea. And so school board member Strain's point here is that the county is already looking to wind this down. The expectation is that in the coming days, two weeks, probably less, all the guidance is that it's likely that the, uh, the county mandate will be lifted. And so it will then be incumbent upon us to revisit this. I'm surprised that this isn't an action item tonight because I think it's a conversation that has been occurring in our community. It's been occurring within the Board of Health. And someone suggested that it be passed through on the consent agenda. Um, I think a conversation needs to be had on this uh, in terms of modifications. Um, a month and a half ago, we talked about the need to establish some sort of data metrics, some sort of guidance. We did. Uh, the superintendent brought forward a set of data to be considered. Um, but there, there were no thresholds set, etc. And so in the last conversation that we had about this, a number of board members said, look, when we get to the point where our public health department says that a mask mandate is no longer necessary, then we won't be able to support. I, I recall at least a number of members saying we won't be able to support a continued mask mandate. That's going to happen over the next couple of weeks. All right. Quite possibly over the next couple of days. That we will get to a point where our county mask mandate is list, lifted. And so I'm surprised we're not having this conversation tonight. That's all I have. Okay. Thank you. Is there a motion to approve consent item E? So moved. We have a second? Second. All right. Um, all those in favor, please raise your hands. Any opposed? Okay. Madam Clerk, our consent agenda is approved. Seven to two. There you go. No debate, no discussion, nothing. So the... So what happens if within seven days, like what happens if it goes to 4.9% tomorrow and it stays that way for seven days, is the school board going to come back in like an emergency session or something to, to lift a mask mandate or what? I somehow doubt it. And, and here's why. There's, um, let me see here, where is she? Carol Sawyer, school board member Carol Sawyer. She started off her report because all of the the... School board members, they do a report. At the, I don't know why, like, but they, they give their own little speeches at the beginning of the meeting here, and this is how she started off her speech. Thank you. Um, before my announcement, can I just remind people that masks are required in this building at all times? As you'll see it posted there, Mecklenburg County is under a mandatory indoor mask mandate. There are exceptions. Um, excuse me. Um, it's not your turn to speak. Um, I just want to acknowledge that it's National right. School Psychology Week. Indeed, and we're all crazy. So yeah, yeah. The, but but this this kind of uh, virtue signaling 
Grubering. I call it Gruber. Grubers. These are the, these are, I, don't, I hate the term Karen. Gruber is a better term. Hans, or uh, Rolf Gruber, rather. Hans Gruber. That was from Die Hard. Rolf was the, the boy that was the boyfriend of uh, Liesel, I think was her name, and he became the Nazi, and then he ratted out, he blew the whistle on the Von Trapp family at the, at the Abbey. Remember at the very end of the movie? Spoiler alert. So, uh, yeah, I just, I think that that was, I think Gruber, it's a unisex term as well, and it really captures the, the Nazi element authoritarianism, I think. Uh, but that's what this is. I look around, I see people not wearing masks. Like, and the, somebody screamed out, there are exceptions. And that person's exactly right. All right, News Talk 1110-993-WBT. I thought I would inspire some confidence in, in the school system with you. I have right here the entire superintendent's report from last night. This is, if like, you are now going to, like, have a whole bunch of confidence in the leadership and the management of your school district. Because I know there's been a lot of stuff going on, lots of, wait, oh, wait, did we, we find another gun today. Has there been another gun found today? I'm just checking, because it's a day that ends with the letter Y, and so usually, like, we're due for one or two now. So, uh, so there's that. Do we have any more accusations of sexual assault or sexual assaults being uh, covered up? Or dismissed or something like that. Do we have anything like that? Okay, by the way, I do have an audio clip from last night's meeting along those lines. That will prompt probably new outrage. Um, so here is the superintendent's report. Again, this is meant to instill confidence in the competence of the leadership. I want to begin this evening by addressing a topic of highest importance, and that is student uh, school safety for students and staff. Uh, we just invested a significant uh, amount of time uh, at the beginning of our school board meeting um, in working toward improvement and student outcomes. And if we are to focus on that core mission, we must have safe schools. Our students, staff, and families must be confident that we can carry out that expectation. Mm -hmm. uh, to okay. date, we have found 15 guns on our campuses or transportation vehicles. That is unacceptable okay. and reflects broader concerns that all of us as members of this community must be willing to address. Okay. Uh, there have been some recent media reports um, about shootings into occupied dwellings uh, in our area. And those are on pace to exceed last year's totals, which itself represents a 75% increase since 2018. All right, so you hear what he's doing there, right? He's talking about the increase in shootings into occupied vehicles and homes. And so, see, it's just, it's a, it's a massive spike in crime. In shootings, in general, and that's why all the guns are showing up at the schools, I guess. I think that's the connection he's trying to make there. That is to say this, that guns coming onto our campuses are a sign of broader angst in the community. Broader angst. So broader, my message... So wait, I think broader angst. I think, I think I saw them open for leftover salmon back in 1998, I want to say. Tonight is this. CMS serves 
more than 140,000 students, countless thousand more family members, okay. and approximately 19,000 employees. All right. Each of those represents a precious life, and we right. must not allow guns to injure or kill any of those individuals. All right. Next, I want to share um, a brief statement <clears throat> regarding Hawthorne Academy. Well, wait, whoa, what, wait, wait, wait a minute. That's it? That's the statement? Just that every life is precious and we need to make sure that kids are safe. All right. Well, I mean, okay, so that doesn't actually inspire a ton of confidence. Maybe his statement on Hawthorne will. Let's see. There are ongoing investigations underway, and at this time, the principal and unassistant principal have been suspended with pay. Now, I want to move on uh, to another topic. Wait, 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 wait a minute. Wait, wait a minute. That's, you've, that's the report? That's the report. His entire report, by the way, lasted about four minutes, just under four minutes. And you heard half of it, more than half of it. And the rest of it, he's then talking about some $50 million grant or whatever that they put out there to try to improve academic performance or something. And their, uh, their, the, the deadline approaches on the request for proposals on that. So, yeah, like that's I don't that's the whole report. That's pretty surprising to me, considering the amount of media attention that the assaulting and the guns have had. But what do I know? Like, I'm, you know, I'm just a media guy. Although, apparently, I could become superintendent with that resume. News is next. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Pete Callender here, 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. You can email me, Pete, at the Pete Callender Show. You can hit me up on the Twitter machine. And then that's very simple. Just my name, Pete Callender, or at Pete Callender. I'm not seeing, yeah, I'm not seeing any updates here in the uh, Rittenhouse trial. He took the stand today. We covered that in the first hour. Uh, so you should definitely go back and listen to the podcast. It's very easy to do, by the way. I haven't said this in a while. The podcasts are very simple to get. Just go to WBT.com, and uh, you got all the shows right there, and you just uh, follow the show. You can have uh, you can have whatever uh, podcasting platform you want. They're free. If you got an iPhone, you know, Apple's got it built in. Droid's got the Google Play Store and that sort of Google podcast and stuff. So the podcast, once you just click follow or subscribe, and once you do that, then you get them. They just arrive on your phone, and you listen on your time. And uh, they cut out uh, all of the spot breaks. So, like, the first hour is um, 32 minutes. So you'll hear a 32-minute hour on the Rittenhouse trial. That was the first hour of the program today. You can get all of that at WBT.com. Um, all right, so... Let me get to the uh, the Charlotte Mecklenburg School Board meeting audio that I've got because I did spend like five hours last night watching the school board meeting, and then I spent like another two and a half hours today cutting up the audio and dead gum, and I'm going to play it. All right, so <laughs> so first off, um, I don't know because I wasn't here, uh, but I noticed it's interesting to come back after you know seven years. 
and realize some of the things that have changed. For example, uh, the the way that the meetings are run at the city council level, the county commission level, the school board uh, level, because I spent so many, I mean, it's a very large chunk of my life I spent in these meetings watching people. So I remember how the meetings occurred. I remember sort of the format of the meetings. And at some point, apparently, the Charlotte-Mecklenburg School Board changed their uh, the the format of their meetings. And look, boards do this from time to time. Usually it's because somebody abuses the privileges of being on the board. Vilma Leek uh, has prompted many a board format overhaul because she just would not stop talking and she would give these reports about stupid things that nobody cared about, but she did. So she would just ramble on and on and on and keep everybody waiting. Um, and so apparently the school board, they... Uh, I don't know what they give their school board reports at the beginning of the meeting. But last night they had, I guess he's a consultant. I watched the whole thing and I recorded it as well. And I'll go back and pull some stuff out of there because there is some interesting material. But that was like a 90 minute presentation. You got people from the public that come down at six o'clock and they were sitting there until after eight before they got to speak. And they're listening to these school board members who then they get to have a report. They make their reports before even taking public comment. Like, that's just, like, I don't know. It's pretty gutsy. You're going to, you got people who are really hacked off at you, and you're going to make them sit up there and listen to whatever reports you think are more important than them, and you're going to make them stew for two hours in masks. Hey, look, I hear you. I, I applaud the guts. But at some point, it does kind of boil over. And that point was about two hours into the meeting last night. Ms. Marshall. Thank you, Madam Chair. Guys. Thank you. Parents get to go first. Yep. It's been two and a half hours. I got an email saying that the parents were going to get to get started at 7. It's 8.30 now. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Ms. Marshall. Uh, thank you, thank you, Madam Chair. Listen, we need to do our business. Please do not interrupt our business. The public needs to hear us say our business. All right. Thank you, Madam Chair. If 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 you if you cannot if you do not let us continue to do our business in front of the public without interruption, then we're going to have to ask you to leave the building. Have, all right, parents, parents, have you considered calling yourselves Moral Mondayers? Have you considered rebranding your appearances as a Moral Monday event? Because then Democrats will let you just storm buildings, scream your bloody heads off, and disrupt all of the proceedings. You will actually get positive media coverage when you do it. But I love this. I love the gaveling down. The public needs to hear us do our business. <laughs> Just sounds wrong. Uh, no, no, I don't actually. But no, I understand what she's saying. That they that you're trying to conduct the people's business. And oh, if that were to be true, though, like that's the problem is. You're just up there giving your little statements. The school board members are up there giving speeches, their board reports, 
quote unquote, a board report, a board member report. A report is just the stuff that they think is important. Like Carol Sawyer, who started her comments off, you know, hey, everybody, you need to wear those masks, remember? Okay, now I just want to highlight it's school psychology week. Like, that's the report. So you're going to make parents sit through your board member reports (laughs) that can go on forever, apparently. There's no time limit on these things. And who was the, what was her name here? I ever, she's the, is it Brianna? Is that her name? Brianna? She's not technically a school board member. She's not an elected official. Brianna Fowler. She's like the student advisor. So this was a new development. They've apparently stuck, I don't know, is she a student? I can't tell because, like, I've noticed this as I get older. Like, everybody starts looking like children to me. <laughs> I cannot tell. Like, I've always been bad at pinpointing people's ages, but it's getting worse now. And I'm only 47, but it, it's like there's this there's this whole cohort of, like, from, I don't know, 15 to, like, 35. I can't tell. Unless you're going bald uh, or you got gray hair, I, I'm I'm not going to be able to pinpoint your age. It's somewhere between 15 and 35. <laughs> That's all I can say. So I don't know if she is a student or not or if she's just some student advisor. She may be a high school student or something. But she went on for a while. So you first have, yeah, so you have the, the, the superintendent's report. Then uh, you got Rhonda Cheek, she talks. Then you got Jennifer Delahara, uh, yeah, Delahara, she speaks. Then you got uh, Ruby Jones. Then you got, and then the then comes Margaret Marshall, and that's when the, they interrupt because at this point it's twenty minutes into the board reports after an hour and a half of the consultant guy, and so they've been sitting up there for two hours because they want to speak about you know gun violence, sexual assaults in the schools, and critical race theory. That's what they came to talk about. All right, so we're going to get into that up next. First, let's get into a little traffic. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Pete Callender here. So the Rittenhouse trial is back underway, and the defense uh, uh, attorneys have, in fact, uh, made a motion for a mistrial. So let's go ahead and... uh, Pull this back up here and take a listen. Uh, can I do that? Let's see here. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know what? It's my mistake. Hang on. That was my mistake. In time. There we go. Presumably this is the... Right, let me, before. Yeah, I hit the wrong button. Uh, my apologies. Like said, this is the I'm assistant district attorney, Thomas Binger, who's explaining why he pursued two lines of questioning that the judge scolded him uh, him over, I mean, yelled at him earlier in the day, about two hours ago. Uh, so he's kind of re-explaining himself because now there's a motion that's been filed for a mistrial. Oh, I made it. I was joking. I was just kidding that guy or whatever. I'd like to probe that. I'd like to probe what he said to that person. I'd like to probe what his motivations were, etc. I'd like to probe whether, in fact, he really did do that. Um, and I think that that changes the equation with regard to the CDS video that was the subject of the other acts motion. Because in my mind, it is very similar. And I know we've disagreed on that, and I'm not going to belabor the point, Your Honor, but that was where I was coming from, was there's been a change in the testimony of the defendant today that I think makes that evidence 
it's admissible and much more relevant than it already was, and I thought it was already uh, relevant. And the court is. I, I do want to be clear. So also, I'm just here on the sidelines, just. Uh, well, you. Yeah, uh, I had made a ruling that the evidence wasn't coming in, and you decided that it was. I, I, if I could just respond to that briefly, Your Honor, I was about to say I did not interpret your ruling as an absolute. We, we've had three state motions in the. <laughs> There was one in which we asked the court to introduce evidence that the defendant was at Pudgy's Bar with Proud Boys, and you were clear that is not coming in. There was, you know, don't get into other subjects. Get it? Get, come on, what you're telling me? You're an experienced trial attorney, and you're telling me that when the judge says I'm excluding this, you just to take it upon yourself to put it in because you think that you've found a way around it. Come on. If I may finish, Your Honor, I was about to say your your ruling on our three motions and uh, other acts motions was there were some gradations there. That you were clear that some things were absolutely out, and then you left the door open on other things. Uh, uh, no. So I, I, I saw that distinction, and I thought to myself, clearly I know this is out, but you left the door open on other things. So I didn't interpret your ruling as this is absolutely never coming in, and I have practiced before you, Your Honor. I have filed other motions, motions before you. Your practice oftentimes is to reserve ruling on those until you see the evidence. And I think you even said something to that effect at our motion. I undoubtedly did. So I thought this is my good faith explanation to you. And if you want to yell at me, you can. My good faith feeling this morning after watching that testimony was you had left the door open a little bit. Now we had something new, and I was going to probe it. I don't believe you. Oh, my. There better not be another incident. I'll take the motion under advisement. Um, and you can respond. Um, when you say that, that you were acting in good faith, I don't believe that, okay? Let's proceed. Everybody in good faith. Wow. All right. Um, bring, would you come up, please, Mr. Rittenhouse? I do have... All right, sir. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah. I do have another um, item that I want to raise before the jury comes in uh -oh. and raise it with you. Uh oh. Um, there was another X motion with regard to the defendant being at Pudge. Okay, so I'm, I'm being alerted that there is some, what, vulgarity that arises here? Was it a video or something they're playing? Uh, he says that. Oh, he says the F word. Oh, well, don't say that. Film. That's the. That's what I was told when I went to work in television. That's. That's what they consider to be the F word. Film. Because it's tape. It's taping. That's weird. I hear music playing very faintly. That's so weird. Is that, a, is that my laptop? I'm not playing music on my laptop. That's so weird. Uh, anyway, so the uh, defense, or sorry, the yeah, the defense files a motion for a mistrial. And you just heard the judge, like, he is angry. At the assistant DA. And it raises this question. Is he trying to tank this case? Because he knows how obvious it's going to be for the jury to say, yes, Kyle Rittenhouse acted in self-defense. And by the way, Rittenhouse taking the stand today. Initially, I saw some people that were like, oh, well, I guess it wasn't going as well as the conservative media thought it was. Um... No, actually, I think it's still going very well. And I think what Rittenhouse, uh, his presence on the stand, taking the stand, is he's the only one who can testify as to what he was thinking at that time. And considering 
all of the evidence, and I mean all of the evidence, there isn't any other evidence right now that's been presented that suggests anything other than Kyle Rittenhouse was in fear for his life. He was being chased by a mob. He had been attacked repeatedly, first by Joseph Rosenbaum at the car source uh, dealership. Then he uh, is assaulted with a rock or a piece of concrete or something. He is then assaulted twice with a skateboard. And uh, then he has a gun drawn on him and pointed at his face. All of those indicate, and you've got, meanwhile, the mob that's chasing him, screaming various uh, versions of get him. And if you knew anything about any of the protests and riots that we saw in 2020 from the oh-so-peaceful protesters, uh, they were all about knocking people out, hurting people, breaking their stuff. That's what they were about. So there is no reason for him to think he's not going to meet his maker if he can't get to that line of cops. He's literally running for his life. So, yeah, it's pretty obvious to anybody who's watched any of the videos. um, And now the jury has. And I think that's what the D.A. knows. But we'll see. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. So the judge just shot down a motion from the prosecution in the Powell Rittenhouse murder trial. Uh, They wanted to get a photo admitted into evidence to be used at the trial, a photo of Rittenhouse when he appeared at a bar. And I think that this was uh, like the the, uh, with a bunch of proud boys or something. He was at some bar with them and they got a picture and he was wearing a shirt and it said, um, oh, that's me there. Sorry. Um, Free as leap. And so the. The prosecutor wanted that shirt to be entered or wanted the uh, picture to be entered into evidence. And the judge was like, why? This is like four months later. And the D.A. says this is interesting. That's why I'm telling the story. The D.A. says now this is outside the presence of the jury. Remember, he says they're trying to build an argument that Rittenhouse did this to be famous. And Rittenhouse, who is sitting on the stand, <laughs> gives this look like, are you for real? (laughs) Because they cited earlier, and I was like, where is he going with this? They cited earlier Rittenhouse's TikTok account, where he's got a picture of uh, himself posing with an AR-15, and it says, bruh, or bro, I'm just trying to be famous. He posted that, like, Months beforehand, right? Like it, this is him posing with a gun for uh, on his his TikTok homepage or whatever, and it says, "Bruh, I'm just trying to be famous." And so, what apparently the prosecution has been angling for is proof that he went down to the Kenosha protest in order to kill people to get famous. That's their theory. Let's see how they're doing on that. Let's uh, rejoin. Rittenhouse is back on the stand, and the prosecution is cross-examined. He made the first threat to you? When he said, if I catch you alone, yes. And he was carrying that plastic bag with him when he made that threat, too, correct? Correct. How close was he when he made that first threat to you? This is Rosenbaum. Close. I couldn't give you an exact estimate, but he was close, less than five feet. So closer than Madam Court Reporter is to you now? I'd say about the same, if not a little bit closer. 
And you were next to Mr. Balch when that was said? Correct. Was anyone else there besides you, Mr. Balch, and Mr. Rosenbaum? I believe there were other uh, demonstrators um, around. And you've seen in this trial that there's been a lot of video footage of that night, correct? Yes. And you've seen in this trial that there's a lot of video footage of you that night, correct? Yes. You'd agree with me that there's no video of either one of these threats, correct? I don't know if somebody filmed it um, that I'm aware of right now. You're not aware of any, are you? I'm not. So, Mr. Rosenbaum looked like that at the time of the first threat, but then looked different at the time of the second threat? Is that right? Yes. And did you say he was carrying the chain when he made the first threat or the second one? The second. Okay. And he was still carrying that plastic bag the second time? Yes. That plastic bag has a, has a clear side to it that allows you to see inside of it, right? Sort of. I didn't really look into the bag. So you didn't know what was in the bag at all? I didn't. Did he swing the chain at you when he made the second threat? He did not. Did he uh, physically touch you when he made the second threat? No, he didn't. In fact, that entire evening, he never once touched you, your body, did he? He... He grabbed my gun when he attacked me. And that's why I asked the question the way I did. He never touched your body that night, correct? He didn't touch me physically. Okay. And the, neither the first or the second time did he run at you or charge at you or anything like that, did he? He didn't chase me. He didn't even do anything physically aggressive to you, did he? No. He just said some words? Yes. And that chain that he had in his hand, he never did anything to physically threaten you with that chain, correct? Yes. Is that correct? That's correct. And I mean, aside from the whole you know, part about, like, I'm going to kill you, aside from that. At no point in the evening did you ever see Joseph Rosenbaum with any other type of weapon, correct? Not that I saw. Never saw him with a gun? Correct. Never saw him with a knife? Correct. Never saw him with a bat? Correct. Never saw him with a club? Correct. Any other weapons we can think of? Uh, one of those throwing stars. How far apart in time were these two threats that you say Mr. Rosenbaum made to you? Rittenhouse is now closing his eyes, brows I furrowed. Say, I, I can't give you an, a definite time. I wasn't looking at my clock, but I, I'd say within the same hour. And... Both of those threats occurred while you were on the 59th Street property? The, the, the second threat um, happened at the corner, and the first threat um, happened towards Ruther Central High School. Okay, could you use that laser pointer and, and uh, point out on that map where the first threat occurred? The first threat happened right here at the, in front of the building. So you're pointing at a location that is by the 59th Street car source on the south side of that property uh, along the building and Sheridan Road on the west side of the road. Would that be accurate? Yes. Okay. And uh, you said there was a second threat within an hour after. All right. So this is... Yeah. Uh, right. It doesn't matter whether or not he felt threatened by the chain earlier in the event or not. What matters is when Joseph Rosenbaum chased Rittenhouse down, screaming, I'm going to kill you, and grabbed his gun. That's the point. 
when Rittenhouse was in fear for his life. See, circumstances can change very quickly, and when they do, different reactions become justified. I'm not really clear what the... And we also know from earlier uh, trial testimony that Rosenbaum was um, mentally unstable and had literally just gotten out of the hospital and was having a negative reaction to his meds. He was unhinged, and he chased a guy down with a gun. We've seen the video of him screaming and yelling and ranting at people, and I, I, I don't understand. This, it, it feels like the DA is sort of just like running out the clock. And I, I'm not exactly sure why. I guess they feel like we can't just like let him off the stand in just like an hour, because then it would seem like we have nothing. So we just have to keep asking him all of these crazy questions. Like they spent like 15 minutes or so on whether or not he was or wasn't a member of the Antioch local fire department because he was part of the EMT cadet program. (laughs) This is bizarre. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. I feel like I'm running like a, a true crime courthouse podcast. <laughs> now we're just listening to, I, I did not expect this to be the show today. It's just Kyle Rittenhouse took the stand today in his own defense. He's still testifying. The prosecutor has now been pursuing a line of questioning, which again, to me seems kind of weird, but um, trying to figure out like, all right, you felt the need to go out and put out fires, the the fire in the dumpster. Like, why why would why would you do that? You know, and you went out and tried to give people first aid. Why would you do that? Like, you would normally call 911. He's like, well, yeah, normally you would. (laughs) So that's something you'd normally go around doing. It's like, try to help people. So apparently the DA is trying to establish some fact pattern around the fact that he went off property, off of the car source property in order to, you know, fix problems. And he thinks this is somehow going to prove that, you know, Rittenhouse went off the property site in order to go shoot some people, which the evidence does not support that. But that seems like what where the D.A. is headed on this. Let's see. 22 minute and 14 second mark. Oh, wait a minute. He's getting ready to play video. Do I need to mute this? They haven't played it yet. All right. So they're getting ready to play some video. Yeah, I don't, there was one exchange. Let me just mute that for real quick. Um. This, in this exchange where he says, uh, so you felt the need to, to run around and, and put out fires. And Rittenhouse says, yeah, with a fire extinguisher. And he says, well, why? And Rittenhouse just looks at him. And <laughs> he says, because it was on fire? <laughs> like... So one of the things, and then the judge apparently just uh, asked the jurors if they're feeling comfortable, like temperature-wise, and made some jokes about the little ice cubes that are in the uh, in the courtroom or whatever. And this is one of the things if you've never uh, if you've never actually attended a trial, it's one of the it, it is. There's a weirdness to trials. Okay, there is. There's a weirdness um, in that. It's a very, very serious uh, event that's being undertaken, right? There, uh, people's lives are in the balance. Usually there's great tragedy involved in it. And at the same time, though, the people who are all in that room together for 
especially if the trial lasts a long time, you end up like you see the same people, you're in the same elevator with them, you know, or you're down in the cafeteria and you're spending, you know, eight, nine, ten hours a day for what could be, you know, a week or two. And I don't want to say camaraderie, but there does like there there are bonds that get developed through that process. It happens, and uh, you end up, you know, talking with people and seeing people as people a lot of times. Like even the the prosecutor versus defense attorneys, like they're like you end up kind of I don't know. Maybe it was different for me because whenever I was in the trials, I was always just a, a reporter and I was covering the trial, and uh, and you know you, you would talk with these people and the defense attorneys and the you got investigators that are in there and cops and the sheriff's deputies and the you know when i would talk to all the jurors during the tra- no i'm kidding i did not do that i i did not do that but it's just there's a whole i remember um that well the the most famous uh case that was going on when i was a reporter here was the ray caruth trial and so you had a lot of people, you know, coming in and out, parachuting in from, you know, national media outlets and the like. And so you end up kind of forming a bond with the local reporters and camera people that are there. Uh, but also the even the national. I remember I met the guy from Court TV and then I ran into him at another trial later on down in Rock Hill, the Jimmy Robertson trial. Uh or no, vice versa. Yeah, I met him first at the Jimmy Robertson trial, and then he came and he was at the Carruth trial. So you end up just forming bonds and relationships with these people. So um, it's one of the things. Oh, and you end up, this was one, you end up encountering people. This is one of the weirdest things. Not, I shouldn't say weird, but it is kind of weird. They, I met retirees who they would just come and sit in and watch trial. This is what they did. Because there was this, like, you know, really big trial in town. They had nothing else going on. <laughs> so they were like, I'm going to go down and watch this trial. And they did. They would show up, like, every day, and they would watch the trial. Um, and, it, you know, they would try to position themselves kind of off to the side, back shoulder of the courtroom sketch artist so they could watch him work, too. Because sometimes, like, I will say, this trial is moving very fast. The And not just, like in the procession of the witnesses, but in the, in the Q and a too, which is the only reason that I'm still sticking with the, the live feed here is because they're going back and forth very quickly. And like, in my experience, in a lot of the trials I watched, it was like, Oh my God, they would ask one question and then it would be like 30, 45 seconds of dead air. And then they would follow up with another boring question. Like this is, this is going much better. All right. Let me safe to rejoin uh, yeah. All right. on your property All right. and not go out on the street and try and put out fires or interfere with any of that stuff. Nope, just there you go. Just protect your property. Right, Isn't just protect you? your property. I believe so. I was just going to grab the garbage can, uh, the dumpster that belonged to the car source that was on the car source property. This is before you headed south towards the 63rd Street car source. Right, so you can hear he's the, yes. the DA is obviously trying to make this argument that you should have just stayed on that property and yes. you were trying to be... Before you shot... You were trying to play cop. Mr. Huber, Mr. Grosskreutz, and at the person that was jumping over you, correct? Yes. So you knew that this was a crowd that would not react very favorably to you going out there and trying to put out fires or interfere with any of that stuff. You knew that, didn't you? Right, your mini skirt 
I didn't. Right, you were wearing that that miniskirt. You still didn't have any idea that this is a crowd that's not going to take it very well. Oh, oh, something else? Thank you. All right. A crowd that wasn't going to take it very well. So, yeah, blaming Rittenhouse for being attacked. Like, you should not have been there. And he said this earlier, too, by the way, uh, in the day. Earlier in the day, the prosecution started off with his line of uh, questioning, like, you know, you didn't have to be here. Like, why were you here? And this actually happened during the commercial break, too, where the uh, the DA was asking him, well, you know, you don't live here because he called it my community. I was trying to protect my community. And he said, well, you don't live here. And he says, yeah, I do. I spend, like, equal amount of time in both cities. So there is this, like I said, if this is the best that the DA has, it does not seem like this case is going, oh, my goodness, the defense is irate again. It's screaming about something. Oh, oh, DA's moving on. All right, well, we'll see what happens. There might be a mistrial today after all. Brett Winterbill is up next on News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Stick around for that. I'll be back tomorrow at noon, actually broadcasting live from Truist Field for the Carolina's Veterans Day event. That goes on from 9 a.m. until 2 p.m. We'll talk with you then. Don't break anything while I'm gone.